Shamai hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm your host, Sam Cook. Over the next half an hour, you'll be hearing from some of this country's biggest stars. From where they got their big break, the struggles that they may have faced along the way. In this week's episode, we'll be putting actress, singer and presenter Sophie Evans in the spotlight. Hello, Sophie Evans. How are you? Hello, Sam. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. We're both enjoying the lovely sunny weather in Cardiff at the minute. It feels like it's been really nice and it feels like this could be the calm before the storm because you never know what Welsh weather is like, do you? I know. We we really don't. But like, well, myself, I try and make the most of the weather so I'll be able to walk in as much as possible because, as you say, next week it could be thunder and lightning. Who knows? And uh, actually arranging this interview and, and working out a time was a little bit difficult, wasn't it, Sophie? Because you become a parent. How, how has life been since becoming a parent? Such a whirlwind, but the most amazing, like, life-changing thing. I love children, you know. I've I've wanted to be a mother for such a long time, and it is everything I thought it would be and more. You know, yes, there's sleepless nights. Yes, they cry, but also the positives. Oh, when he looks at you and just smiles, you think, oh, my gosh, I have to look. I'm literally your carer. Like, you can't do anything without without me and your dad. And you depend fully on us. And that kind of, like, responsibility is unbelievable. Like, nothing, you know, like nothing you've ever experienced. Yeah. And you've recently come back from your first holiday with baby Jack. How mm-hmm. was it? How did it go? Well, it was so good that we're going again in a few days. So wow, very lucky baby. He gets to go on two holidays in a very short space of time. But we went with a big group of friends and they also had a couple of children themselves. So we had extra hands, which was great. But he slept like a little angel on the plane both times on the way there and the way back. And he just, he, you know, got on board with the heat. He'd never really been in the sun before. Obviously, we kept him out of the sun, but, you know, the heat was new for him and keeping him in little, just basically in his nappy a lot of the time. You know, he's net, that's, he's a winter baby. He was born in December, so big change, but he was a dream. So we were like, well, so basically we go to Tenerife and Ellis's parents, my husband's got um, an apartment out there. So everything's there. There's a stroller there. We've got like a little paddling pool for him. So we don't have to pack too much. And we have, you know, fully functioning kitchen and a washing machine so we can kind of make it home in the sun which is great I suppose you never know how it's going to go do you were you slightly daunted by the the fact that you were taking your your newborn on holiday for the first time yes definitely because I've been on planes where you know you hear a baby crying the whole time and most of the time my brain thinks oh those poor parents you know they their baby for whatever reason whether it's the, the pressure in their years or they're just not very happy on this flight. And the parents must be thinking, oh, my God, everyone's listening to our baby and they might want to sleep. And, you know, they're off on their holidays. They want to relax. So my biggest thing was the flight. I just thought I don't want because Tenerife is quite a long flight. We didn't go two hours, like four and a bit hours. So it's pretty long. Um, and I just thought this could be a nightmare. But I don't know why. Touch wood. Pray to God. It was, you know, it was good. It's a learning process as well. Like no one is prepared to become a parent they don't teach you that in school no and I don't think you can prepare too much I did a lot of preparation for my birth so I was in I don't know if you heard of hypnobirthing but I did a course with my friend and 
you know, I felt like really informed about what could happen in my birth. And I ended up having an emergency cesarean, but I had informed myself enough that that was an option. So when that happened, I was very relaxed. So everything was, you know, I thought about it. But when your baby comes and like I was breastfeeding and he didn't sleep amazingly and, you know, he's got a bit of reflex and all these things that you're like, no one, no one told me about any of this. I prepped for the birth, but now he's here. What do I do? You love abroad, don't you? Because you got married last year, but you're planning on having a second wedding next year? Yeah. Yeah. So we always wanted to get married in Ibiza which is we've been there a couple of times and I just find it the most romantic, beautiful, picturesque place. And you can kind of have any holiday that you can go with your friends. Yeah, I was going to say there are two sides to the island, aren't there? Because you yeah, can have the party ravey holiday. Have you ever had a party ravey holiday in Ibiza? When I, when I was 19, it was my first ah. ever holiday with my friends. I just finished The Wizard of Oz. I'd been in London for two and a bit years. I mean, I was a child, but my friends said, we're going to Ibiza. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. We finished. did Zante. So I know people either do Ibiza or Zante and we chose Zante. But then the thing is with these islands is there are two sides to it. Like I went to Ibiza, I think it was Ibiza, Portanax, Ibiza, with my my parents. Yeah. And and it was dead quiet. Yeah. And the old town, so Ibiza on the east side down the bottom, is just incredible. The castle is in the centre of the old town and and it's honestly beautiful, really, really like authentic Spanish restaurants and beautiful cobble streets, really, really gorgeous. And then, as you say, you've got the other side and the beaches are just unbelievable. So yeah, so we wanted to do that. So after doing a bit of research, I knew nothing about marriage. I didn't realise that you can't really get officially legally married in Spain. And you have to do a lot of things, basically jump over hoops to be able to do that. So I thought, okay, well, let's just do the legal side here, go to the registry office, you know, officially be married. And then me, Jack and Ellis all all have the same surname, which just makes life a little bit easier. And then we'll go and do it. We'll we'll have the wedding in Ibiza. But then it became a bit more of a thing. And we thought, well, if we're having a day in Cardiff, we may as well make it a bit more of a celebration. So then we thought we'll have 30 people. We went to Tom Thomas by Tom Simmons in Pontcana for food afterwards. And, you know, it, it was a very relaxed day. But yeah, that was definitely a wedding. But also we want the kind of, I was pregnant, so I couldn't really... I couldn't have anything to drink. I, you know, I re- I went home quite early while everyone else went went out. I had to go home. So I was like, you know, Ibiza is the celebration of us. That was the like, okay, we need to sign on the dotted line kind of thing. And it's like it's really old fashioned love story as well because you guys met you when you were teenagers. Yeah, we met when we were eighteen. So yeah, twelve years ago now, which is crazy. And like any relationship, we've had our ups and downs. Like we had a little, I call it a sabbatical in the middle. When we were about 23 or 24, we went separate ways for about a year, just over a year. And then realized, yeah, you are the love of my life. I, and we we are meant to be together. And the rest is history. And Sophie, you were born and raised in the Ronda. Mm-hmm. Did you know from an early age that you wanted to be a singer? Yes, there's memories of mine from, oh, I reckon, three years old. You know, going, mom, dad, sit down. I'm going to sing, I'm going to do a little show for you. I was a really confident kid. If anything, you know, as you get old, as we get older, I feel like we get more nervous and, you know, question more things. Where when I was a child, I was just, you know, front and centre. <laughs> let me let me have the microphone. <laughs> and I had just no, no fear at all, which is 
quite funny I think for my family and yeah I just became quite good at it and I remember being in school and I auditioned for the show I think I was about seven maybe and I was auditioning for the part of Sandy in Greece and I sang hopelessly devoted but I sang it like I was Olivia Newton-John I was like riffing and you know really giving it and I remember the teachers like laughing at me. 2008 is when you you actually auditioned for the X Factor in front of Simon Cowell Mm. that must have been nerve-wracking. It was I think I was 14 and you know being from the valleys there's not massive opportunity. I was very lucky. I was in a, a theatre group when I was when I was younger at the Parking Day, the most beautiful theatre. I was so, so lucky to have that in the valleys. But, you know, Simon Cowell doesn't walk through Trioki or Tonopandi. You know, no. you have to go out and try and become something. And, you know, in my head, it was just like, just try everything, go for every opportunity. And when they lowered the age to 14, I was like, right, I can go on there. In I was never under any illusion that I was going to, you know, I wasn't like, I'm going to win this. I was just trying to get opportunities and trying to get exposure and just trying, trying anything. So when I went on there, I, got, I did get to boot camp and it was, you know, a really, really good experience. And I remember Simon Cowell saying something along the lines of, you don't quite know who you are yet. And I just went, yeah, you're right. I'm 14. I'm going to clue what I'm doing <laughs> and just took it on the chin. But then when the over the rainbow thing came about, I was like, this is a bit more me. This was, you know, I'd done theatre, I'd done my school shows and I liked a bit of acting as well. Although singing was my thing. I thought, you know, maybe I got a bit more of a chance here. You know, they're looking for someone my age, someone that can kind of be a character. I think they liked the fact I was this small town Welsh girl. They really played that narrative. And yeah, that was just crazy as well. The thing about Over the Rainbow, sort of remembering the series, because I remember watching it going out, whenever anyone left the competition, everyone looked heartbroken. Oh, like yeah. the, the camaraderie between the group, mm. you could really feel that. Was it was it really like that behind the scenes? Yeah, it was. I think we were all so young um, and we got whisked away to London. We were Obviously, they were making a TV programme, so they had people from all over. They had a Scottish girl, they had someone from Middlesbrough, you know, I think they wanted the whole country to watch and that's how you, how you do that. Um, so we became really, really good friends. There was very little competition between us. They did try, you know, like any TV show, they tried to make it a thing. They'd interview us and go, you know, who do you think's going to go this week? And all of that drama that comes with the reality TV show. And there was actually a week we all made a pact together. We were like, they're going to ask us that question. We knew that was the question they were going to ask. They're going to say, who's going to go home? If we all pick a different person, then none of us look like a cow, basically. Wow. They say you, you say her. So then no one's like. That's so rare because. I know. You you hear things like the X Factor and, and the house and the X Factor. And there was always arguments and always headlines about that. And a reality TV show where people actually get along. Yeah, yeah. uncommon. I know. know. And we've come together. I don't know if you saw during lockdown, it was our 10-year anniversary from the final. I contacted everybody and said, you know, it'd be amazing if we could just, you know, do something. Originally, I would love to have done a concert. My my thought was we could do Dreaming Big, but, you know, maybe the Palladium, the 10 of us, you know, the dot, because that's where the Wizard of Oz was. And I do think it would have had a, a nice pull. We could get Andrew on board, potentially. Um, but obviously we were we were in COVID and that was not possible. So we need to do some things, 10 years. And everyone was like, yeah, amazing, let's do it. 
you know, we had a couple of Zooms and just so lovely catching up with everyone's lives. Don't get me wrong. I, we don't speak all the time because we're spread around the world and we're all doing different things. But whenever we come back together, it's like, oh, how are you doing? You know, how, how's, how's your baby? How's this? How's that? There's no kind of animosity between anybody. It must be so nice to see how well everyone else is doing on that program as well. Yeah, they clearly, you know, they clearly had an eye for raw talent, you know, because you've got people that have gone on, you know, Danielle, she went on to do Les Mis, she's gone over to America now, she's done a couple of bits in America, Jess, Jess Daly as she is now, but with Jess Robinson, then she's not really stopped working, Bronte has done amazingly well, but then even people that have gone, like Steph Davis, she went on to the TV kind of thing, I know she had her big brother moment, but she's doing really well again now, and has been really successful. She's a fantastic actress. Then you've got Danny Rayner, who she works for Netflix. And she was like, basically going on these um, documentaries and being not David Attenborough, but like involved in that kind of thing. So going and Mm -hmm. seeing the world and everyone's really worked hard and done really well. At the moment, there's something that in that genre, there's something missing. Like, I think we need that again, like that Andrew Lloyd Webber style musical show, because you have had musical shows over the years, but none that have been quite so successful as that. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, the Mamma Mia one is coming out. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really intrigued. But I feel from what I've seen, because it's filmed in Greece, um, that they want it to to look a bit like Love Island, mm-hmm. but the premise is more over the rainbow. And they're finding it a Sophie and a Sky, I think, aren't they? So I feel like it'll be, you know, how do we, who are we pairing up together and those kind of things and the judges are a bit more sparkly Jesse way from looking at them the judges on the program and the program itself I remember kind of seeing like although these people do know what they're talking about they I wouldn't ever put them in the same league as kind of the the judges that you lot would have yeah I think Amber Amber Riley is another one who is an amazing amazing singer but yeah I feel like you know we had um, Sheila Hancock what a legend like you know like veterans yeah yeah the act the act the actress you know she's fantastic charlotte church was there obviously for her vocals you can't can't really argue with her talent and her success when she when she was younger um so yeah we were really really nurtured and then behind the scenes we had really amazing vocal coaches and acting coaches and a choreographer and really really helped along the way because half of us had just left school we I hadn't even left school. I was doing my GCSEs and I was meant to go on and do my A-levels, but this happened instead. And I remember going to my head teacher and saying, oh, I'm auditioning for this uh, TV show. And if I get through, I'm going to need a day off school. Like, can I have a day off school for it? And she said, yeah, of course. And I said, and then if I get through that, I'm going to need a week off school. And then I said, if I get through that, I don't know if I'm coming back. And she was like, go for it, go. And my school was so um, supportive. That's so good, though, because you you hear a lot of stories of schools that wouldn't be supportive of something like that. So it must be so nice for you to kind of come from a place where they valued your your singing ability. Yeah, yeah, you know, I sang at every blinking GCSE award. It was deserved then. I mean, you know, you you did your bit. Yeah, I I sang for free at school nearly every opportunity that I could, you know, so... um, yeah, I was very lucky, very supportive. They still are. The school is still very supportive. And my niece and nephew, now it's, it's changed into a super school now, so it's slightly different. But my niece and nephew go there. Um, so, yeah, they, they're fab, fab. Have you ever gone back? Yeah, I go back now and again. I went back 
but I pick my missing F up from school quite regularly. So I'm often up there waving at teachers, being like, yeah. hi, I'm you. Um, but I know I'm 30 now. It's crazy to think that school was so long ago and I have mm-hmm. such fond memories of it. But yeah, I've gone back. I've gone up and spoke spoke to some of the students a couple of times and I do a lot. I used to do a lot for the for the drama department as well. But um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been up there lately. But as I say, it's changed schools. It's changed to a different school now. So that the children are younger. There's no, you know, teenagers there really. I think it only goes up to sixteen. Whereas, um, you know, I probably resonate a bit more with the older kids mm-hmm. rather than the younger ones. But also, some of them weren't even born, so you know, it's it's quite funny. And then following over the rainbow, uh, you, you came runner-up, and it was very much kind of the Kickstarter for your career. Kind of, it, you, like you perform with Only Men Allowed. You were singing at Rugby World Cups, ITV mm-hmm. documentaries. You even featured in At World's End, the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you remember about the early days of your career? Just being amazed at the opportunities coming my way. And, you know, I'm lucky I'm from a very grounded family and they've made sure that I've stayed very grounded and, you know, to to really appreciate every opportunity because you never know when it's going to last, how long it's going to last. You've got to work hard, but sometimes you need a bit of luck and you need, you know, it all adds up to that kind of magic portion that gives you success. So, you know, I remember singing with Ridian off the X Factor and we did a duet and I was just blown away by his voice. And I remember thinking that I, he was like, you know, this big voice, like how, how is he singing with me? And just really, really appreciating it. But then you get to point where you think, no, I, I am, I am in the same league as these people now. You know, I need to be professional. I need to, I can't you know, be like a fangirl all the time. I need to mm. be professional. Um, But yeah, the, the, like the ITV documentary with Fran presenting and really, really being so sweet and following the story. And I'll always have that to watch, which is so lovely. And then doing a bit of film. Yeah, The World's End with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost was just incredible. And then I did Pride as well, which was with Bill Nye, Dominic West. That was a little bit later on. But yeah, these experiences at like 19 years old, you 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 couldn't have write, wrote it better for me. You know, it was, it was really, really awesome. I did an album when I was 20. Um, and it, and it all went really well, but to the to to a nice level of success. Personally, I've never wanted to be famous or you know have that crazy crazy life. I just want to sing, and I want to be recognised for my for my singing talent. And if I can earn money and travel the world at the same time, ding ding, that's like amazing for me. But you do need that level of people knowing who you are. And, a, and thinking, oh, I want to go and watch her in a show or I want to go and buy her album. Then it needs to come hand in hand. But also I didn't want to be like blown to success and like take over the world. I, I've, I've never been that ambitious. And maybe that's to my detriment because maybe I would have been more successful. But I've just always kind of liked where I'm at, which has been good. And then last year, you returned to uh, perform in front of Simon Cowell, which is a wonderful full circle moment with Welsh of the West End. I remember watching yeah. it being like, hang on, that's Sophie Evans. <laughs> like, uh, what, what was that experience like? Do you know, it was really cool because Welsh of the West End, we came together in lockdown. Again, another thing born out of really, really negative times was the group and the videos and the lovely comments and the views going, you know, it come, a couple of the videos went viral, which was incredible. So then when lockdown finished, we were like, we can actually meet up in person now, guys, and sing sing together. 
And BGT approach, because, you know, they approach people um, and said, we'd love to invite you to come and audition. And as someone that had been on a reality show, I was a little, little bit sceptical because I thought, you know, we, we've done really well on YouTube. We can continue to do little concerts together. This could go one of two ways. We could go on as 10 professionals, because everyone is a professional. Majority of people have been in West End shows. And if not, you know, continue to try and be. So we could go on and we sing our song and the four judges go, mm, we've seen it before. 10 musical theatre people, what's different about you? It's a no from me. And mm. so we need to be prepared for that backlash because it's it would be kind of embarrassing, you know. We, I had just, I was in Wicked at the time, you know. I, I have a a career, I have a level of professionalism that I need to stay to. So I, I was like, this could be bad, but also I said we can go on, just enjoy it, don't take it too seriously, and just see what happens. You know, it could be a good bit of exposure for us, and it, it could end up leading to really fun, cool things. So we just went on with that mindset. I said, really, honestly, guys, you know, when they when they interview us, don't play into the narrative too much. If they say, you know, how hard is it to be in the industry? How hard was lockdown for you guys? Did you lose money? I said, don't don't play into the negative too much. Be like, you know, with yeah. you. And I suppose your media, like your media trained now for for that type of thing. And you, you I think with that group, you'd all, all had experience in chatting and doing interviews and things like that. So... Were you prepared for for it? I think so. Again, though, I think I had probably the most, well, I definitely had the most experience. I know Mared had done um, BGT before with Ascon Glenethwy, do you remember mm-hmm. them on BGT? I think that was maybe seven, eight years previous. Um, so she's like, I've done this before. Like, I know what it's like. But they were a massive choir, so I don't feel like anyone was kind of interviewed individually other than the conductor. And Tom had a bit of experience in reality TV, but I think because I had that kind of 13 weeks of Over the Rainbow where you literally day in, day out were filmed, there was cameras everywhere, you were very aware when it then aired on the telly being like, oh my gosh, I can't even remember saying that, but I clearly did. And the way it's edited, I look like, you know, I've said it this way. So you started to be very aware of how you spoke and what could be portrayed. so yeah, but BGT for me was a really lovely experience. We got to, you know, do the live shows, which was a really awesome experience. It's run like clockwork. It's really inc- incredible, actually. Did you chat to Simon Cowell during the, like, did he recognise you from your audition? We didn't have one-on-one time with him, but I feel like he would, I feel like there was like a, an acknowledgement there. I feel like it was like, you look familiar. Yeah, I feel like he's really good at that. Like, he'll remember yeah. someone who's been on it, like, years ago and be like, oh, hang on, yeah. you're back. I think so, too. And I'd, I'd also met Amanda Holden when she was in Shrek. I was in Wizard of Oz, and I feel like we had done something, you know, like a Olivier Awards or something. We 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 definitely passed passed each other in some way. Um, and I'd also met Alicia Dixon before, but I don't think she would have remembered. I met her at a polo event in Cardiff really random years ago. How posh. I know, very oh, posh. Oh. Uh, we we spoke quite a bit to David Walliams backstage. He was really friendly, and Anton Deck were really lush as well, really mm. lush. And uh, aside from working on the West End and and acting and doing all this kind of thing, you, you've also done TV presenting. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'd like to do more? Yeah, I think that's where my future is going. Hopefully, 
I still want to sing. I absolutely love singing and concert work and, and things like that. And maybe another album in the future. But now I'm a mother and I want, if I'm lucky enough to have more children, I can't, I can't quite see a world in where I can dip in and out of theatre and do a year of eight shows a week, especially with Ellis being in Cardiff. I can't quite figure out how that's going to be manageable. Mm -hmm. So I really try to put a bit of groundwork in to start the presenting ball rolling. I'm really comfortable talking. I actually prefer being myself than being a character. I prefer singing as myself. When I, I sometimes get imposter syndrome when it comes to acting, because I think, oh gosh, you know, I, I can definitely sing, but acting, I, I kind of have to work a bit more at it. Mm-hmm. And I always think, oh, people, someone's going to look at me one day and go, you can't act. <laughs> They're going to be like, I can't. You've got the experience though. I mean, like just looking at the, some of the things you've done on the West End, I think Glinda the Good Witch is the one that comes to mind. Yeah. And you were the youngest person to ever have that yeah. role, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I was 20, 24 when I started. Yeah. Was so- that daunting? Yes, because I mean, the show is so iconic and the people before me that have played that role to step into those shoes. I mean, you, they're big shoes to fill. But I think after a couple of weeks rehearsal, I remember first day rehearsal, I was a nervous wreck. But then after a couple of weeks, you think, no, do you know what? I can do this. I am meant to. I'm. It was my dream role, my dream show. I didn't have to be too acty because there's elements of the character in my own personality. So I could kind of just be myself heightened big time, but you know, I could pull from my own experiences. Like in for good, it's a very emotional song. And I've, I've sung that at so many amazing occasions in my life. Like my leavers assembly in school, my parents renewed their wedding vows. I sang it there. So I could always pull from real life things. Whereas if I had to be a character such as, um, Oh gosh, let's say Eponine, you know, she's quite a bit more, tomboyish she's a bit more down I would have to work on that a lot more Mm. because it's not my personality so I do have imposter syndrome when it comes to acting but yeah sorry to go back to presenting I've I've dipped my toe in a little bit I just did another VT for Sunday morning live which is coming out in the next few weeks so just getting a bit of a show reel together and hoping hoping that door's gonna open a little bit more and I can have a bit more freedom with work so you can kind of pick and choose what you do whereas if you're in a show eight times a week, you know, it's, you can't do anything else. And what is next for you? What have you kind of got on the horizon? What's coming up? Def, definitely pushing the, the presenting things. So I've got um, a couple of things hosting, like dinners and things, like a Noah's Ark event, because I'm a patron for the for those guys. Um, a couple of bits with Welsh the West End. We're going up to Llangollen, I said, word is Alfie Bow and Welsh the West End, which is really going to be fun. And to be honest, mainly concert work. I've got a concert in Birmingham now with um, West End International, so full orchestra in the Symphony Hall. And that kind of comes about every couple of months. I do gigs like that. But I'm also trying to be a mother. I'm trying to enjoy my my maternity, even though I'm self-employed, so that's not really a thing. Um, and I, I've all wanted a baby for so long. I didn't want to be like, hey, my baby's out. I'm rushing back to work. But I also understand that if I don't keep my but they, I can easily be forgotten about and the next person will come along and take the work, you know. So it's, it's, it is competitive. So you, you've still got to keep your, your eye on the prize. But also I'm enjoying my little baby boy as well. Sophie, we always end these podcasts with two questions. The first of which, if you had to uh, give some advice to your younger self, speak to mm-hmm. your younger self, 
what mm. what would you say to them hmm I would say don't take yourself too seriously because especially it's weird it's probably I'm probably talking to myself only a few years ago not even so much my youngest be fair I never specify which age people have always come back to me and gone oh yeah Sam you need to actually specify which age you're talking to because you can say very different (laughs) advice to someone who's a teenager compared to someone who's five if I was talking to an 18 year old I'd probably say don't spend so much money on alcohol when you go out with your friends oh i'd say exactly the same money yeah. and buy a house because <laughs> i remember at the time my uncle being like right you're ruining money now you should save up and buy a house and I was like, why do i want a house i'm 18 i'm renting in london why? and i'm like why didn't i do that why didn't i do that yeah and then if i'm speaking to myself a couple of years ago don't take yourself too seriously you know you sing for a living you're not you, the pressure on you you know, saving lives. There are people that have jobs that are extremely stressful and people count on them. Like you are very lucky to do what you love as a job. Basically something you just accidentally are good at. You get to do that and and get paid for it. Just don't don't take don't take yourself too seriously, I think. And the second question, now I I recently asked this question to the radio presenter Hugh Stevens, who gave Mm -hmm. the answer that he'd like to win the lottery. And I was a bit like, well, that's obviously, that's 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 the perfect answer. Yeah. Um, but what would you like to see happen next, whether that be in your life or with your career? Or what would you like to see happen next? I think the two goals are to grow my family um, and hope, you know, we're all healthy. And I think definitely to really challenge myself in the presenting field and put myself out there and yeah just give it a go I'd love you know to do like documentary style things where I mean Stacey Dooley is a big dream to be like that kind of level but I love talking about hard-hitting topics like climate Mm. feminism um having a baby and the things that are not talked about you know periods kids you know loads of things and just doing really hard-hitting documentaries but that that will come I hope in time I think I need to just give it a go myself and film something and that's what it is all about though with presenting I found like you I don't know whether this is cliche to say this but you do make the work yourself like especially with social media the thing that I've learned about presenting is that anyone can be a presenter right now because you've all yeah. got a phone and a microphone and a and a yeah. TikTok account. And and like it is all about pushing it in that direction. Do you agree? Totally agree. You you lay the groundwork and then you do need a bit of luck and the opportunities to actually come around. But if you have all of the things in place for when those moments happen, then yeah. Like I love social media. I'm very lucky that I've never experienced too much negativity on there, touch wood the odd comment here and there but you know for me I get people really supportive especially since having a baby it's become a diff my my Instagram has become different now because people follow me to know oh how is breastfeeding going I've just had a baby how do I do this no how but you know can can you give me any advice and I always put a disclaimer like guys I am learning myself and please don't take anything I say as gospel because I would never want anyone to like come back at me and be like well you said this but it's nice to have that open forum and, you know, speak about things that I'd never spoken about before. So, yeah, social media. Great. Well, Sophie, I cannot wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode of In the Spotlight. Um, from all of us at Wales Online, thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Speak to you soon.
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of In the Spotlight. For more TV and showbiz news, subscribe to our newsletter on walesonline.co.uk. 